Megillah Tetzayin Amud Beit, Spiritual Heroism. Whenever we put the interests of somebody else or of a higher cause before our own interests, we're actually act- acting heroically. We're doing something that is not only unnatural, it's really supernatural to put aside one's own self-interest and do something for a, for a higher cause. But making that heroic gesture, doing something for a higher cause that entails a sacrifice, is not only a material sacrifice or a financial sacrifice. There are times when it even requires a spiritual sacrifice. And what are the rules of engagement? How does one make those decisions as to when one has to make a personal spiritual sacrifice for something that is for a higher purpose? We deal with ideas like that when we deal with questions of uh, when there are clashes between different halachic requirements that we do. We're busy with one mitzvah, another one comes along, along, do we have to give up what we're doing and do something else instead? There's a hierarchy of mitzvot, which ones take precedence over others. So um, as with all values, mitzvot also have their hierarchy. And there are times where one has to trade one off against the other. When it comes to the public interest, to doing something in the interests of the klal, and doing something for one's own spiritual well-being and advancement, how does one decide on those trade-offs? That's what this piece of Gemara uh, deals with today, built on the last verse of the of the Megillah, where we're told, Ki Mordechai ha-Yehudi mishneh l'melech ha-Hashvirosh, Mordechai the, the, the Yehudi became the second in command to the king himself, so he rose politically and socially to the highest office of the land, the Gadol Yehudim, and he was great also in the Jewish community, and he was accepted and admired by most of his peers. Doresh Tov he sought out the good for his community, and spoke peace for all of, of those who succeeded him. The, the word that we're interested in here is, there seems to be a backhanded compliment here, or, or, or somewhat of an, of an insult even, he was accepted and admired by most of his peers, implying very clearly there were some that didn't approve of him. And the uh, Gemara says, on Daf Tersayin Amad Beis, at the bottom, Ki Mordechai Yehudi Mishel Melech HaChashverosh, V'Gadol LaYudim Ratzui L'Rov Echav, L'Rov Echav V'Lo L'Kol Echav. Notice, says the Gemara, that in the verse he's referred to as being admired by most of his peers, but not all of them. Melamed, that teaches, There were people on the Sanhedrin who actually distanced themselves from Mordechai uh, and were not as enamored with him as they used to be earlier on. Rav Yosef goes on to say that, You see from here that the study of Torah is greater than the saving of souls, the saving of lives, uh, because at first, in Sefer Ezra, when Mordechai is referenced, he's re- referenced as a number five in a list of, of important people. And later on in Sefer Nehemiah, he's listed as number six in a list of important people, the, uh, indicating to us that there had actually been a demotion, that Mordechai did not occupy as high a stature uh, in his earlier years that he did in his later years. The intervening time was the time of the Megillah, was the time of Purim. So during the time of Purim, when he had to give so much time, effort and energy to matters of state, to taking care of Haman and Achashverosh and Esther and the well-being of the Jewish people, during that time he had to, to some degree, uh, lessen the intensity of his learning and studying of Torah, 
and the result of that was a diminishment of stature that was visible enough for some of the people in the Sanhedrin to distance themselves from him. The, um, this brings us to a, a statement in the Shulchan Aruch, in the, the end of the laws of Tzedakah, in Reish Nun Aleph, where the Shulchan Aruch says that if you have tzedakamani that has been set aside for the study of Torah, it's meant to be given to people who are studying, to yeshivot or to kolalim, and there's a need to pay a tax with it. Uh, in those days, a certain tax that the um, leaders would, would impose on the Jewish people, and if the community didn't pay those taxes, uh, there could be a pogrom. Because if the community doesn't make a deal with the uh, political leader of the, of the area uh, and satisfy him with the necessary taxes, uh, if there are poor people unable to pay those taxes, uh, those poor people would be beaten up and, um, and severely uh, hurt and damaged by, by the, the hordes of, of gangsters that used to work for these leaders. And so it's important for the community to pay the tax in full so that we don't leave any poor people behind unable to pay the tax. The Marshal asks a question, uh, based on our Gomorrah here. The Marshal, uh, one of the very, very great uh, lights of the 16th century, the 16th century we have often spoken about as being such an amazing time of Jewish scholarship. That was the time of the Shulchan Aruch, it was the time of the Ramor, the Shulchan Aruch in, in Sfat and the Ramor in Poland, um, building the whole future of, of halachic observance that we still follow until this day, not only halachic observance, but the whole future of, of learning of Torah. It was just an important time. The Marshal was a, a, a relative and a colleague of the Ramon. and they engaged a lot together. So he's part of that period and not only holds his own, but he's one of the shining lights of that period. Um, uh, and one of his great works is, is Yamshil Shlomo, which he wrote on most of Shas, terribly important work to be learnt as one's working one's, one's way through the Talmud. And the Rashal asks, <coughs> the Marshal asks, why would one be permitted to uh, divert funds from Talmud Torah, from the study of Torah, to paying taxes in order to save the lives of poor people who might not be able to pay taxes themselves? Now, of course, we understand from a humanistic point of view that that's the right thing to do. But the Marshal is questioning the halachic basis because sometimes it appears that halacha and humanism don't always go hand in hand. And then one has to probe and figure out, have, one, have we understood the halacha correctly, uh, or are, are our human sensitivities accurate? Uh, but we have to try and certainly align them. That's part of the way we develop the right, appropriate human sensitivities as we work our way through Torah. And the Marshal points out here, yes, from a human sensitivity point of view, it seems the right thing to do. The community should pay those taxes, even if we have to take them out of funds that were set aside for Talmud Torah, because otherwise there's a possibility of uh, poor people being killed. However, he says, we see from this Gemara here, where Rav Yosef says, Gadol Talmud Torah Yotem Yatzalat Nefashot. The study of Torah is greater than saving lives, which would seem to imply, in a very non-humanistic sort of way, that you should rather study Torah than save lives. Now, of course, the Marshal knows as well as we do that that just doesn't seem to make sense, but he's trying to understand what Rav Yosef means. How can Rav Yosef say, when we see clearly in, in Halakha expressed in the Shulchan Aruch that when there is a conflict between saving lives and the study of Torah, we put the saving of lives first. 
The Taz on Yerudah, we've often spoken about the, the Taz as one of the most important um, commentaries on, on Shulchan Aruch, and particularly on Yerudah, uh, one of the four sections of Shulchan Aruch, says, this is actually not a question at all. And, and he resolves it in a really important way where one has to be able to hold within one's mind quite a paradoxical concept. There's no question that nothing comes before saving lives. Uh, certainly, that you have to live by the Torah, not die by them. Certainly, save, saving lives is, is paramount. We will always give that precedence over any other mitzvah. Um, other than, of course, the, the, the cardinal mitzvah that we, that we talk about, um, uh, idolatry, murder, and, uh, and, uh, and sexual immorality. In those cases, Pikuach Nefesh doesn't come first. Uh, but in every other situation, we will put life-saving first. The Taz says a wonderful idea, and he says, there's no question that if you're confronted with a situation where you have to stop learning and save a life, of course you have to go and save a life. But the person who isn't put in that situation is in a, in a much better position. It's far better not to have to make that choice than, ha- than to have to make that choice. And in the case of Mordechai, of course he had to drop what he was doing. He had to leave the Sanhedrin, stop his learning of Torah and his teaching of Torah, uh, and he had to go and, and do what he needed to do as the leader of the community. But he would have been better off personally. The community wouldn't have been better off, but he would have been better off personally had he not done so. So we need to understand here that in this hierarchy of, of mitzvot, yes, saving lives comes first. But when it comes to what it's doing for you as a person, it, it's quite interesting because in a secular sense, we would look at, at heroism. My goodness, this person gave up everything that he, that he has. He even gave up his learning of Torah uh, in order to save lives. That would be the ultimate act of heroism. And it is an act of heroism. But in terms of what it does for the person, even though he did what he had to do, he saved lives rather than study Torah, the power of the study of Torah in terms of the development of the, of the individual, and I'm talking about somebody who's studying Torah properly, deeply, applying all of his mind and his heart and his feelings and his soul into every word of Torah that, he, he, that he's, he's studying. Such a person who's studying Torah with all that he has, has a, a, a spiritual development and an emotional development and a human development of the caliber that cannot be matched by any other human activity. There's nothing else that a human being can do or that a Jewish person can do that does more for their own development as a person than the total absorption and complete application into the study of Torah and the understanding of it in all of its ramifications. Uh, nothing can do that. Now, that doesn't mean that that's all one has to do, study Torah. We see from this not. There are times when you're not allowed to be studying Torah. There are times when you need to be taking care of, of your family. There are times you need to be taking care of your own physical well-being. There are times when you need to be making a living. And there are times when you need to do things for the community that require you to, to stop learning Torah at that time. Nevertheless, we do need to know there is great personal sacrifice in that. And the personal sacrifice is not a physical or a financial sacrifice. It's the sacrifice of human development. It's the sacrifice of a degree of greatness. Mordechai was not as great after he did this heroic deed of the story of Purim as he was before. There's an element of pathos and tragedy 
in, in Mordechai's life. It's not all about heroism. In Hollywood, of course, Mordechai would be portrayed, portrayed as the ultimate hero. But in the sense of Jewish values, we look at it and say, we feel bad for Mordechai that he even had to uh, make that choice and give up that time because ultimately, if he were only able to study the Torah, he would have been an even greater person than he was. Uh, I'm reminded of a the story I remember the Ponovizhirov, uh, Rav Kahaneman, the founder of Ponovizhirov in, in Bnei Brak. But Rav Kahaneman is much more than the founder of the Ponovizhirov in Bnei Brak. It's almost sad that we think of him as that, which was very important because in founding the Ponovizhirov in Bnei Brak, he also restored Torah after the Second World War in Eretz Israel and began the whole system of yeshivot, um, which, which we benefit from until this day and will for many more years. But it's important to appreciate that uh, Rav Kahaneman was already a, a Godel Hador. He was one of the greats in the pre-war Lithu Lithuanian era. Uh, as Rav of Ponovision, Rosh Hashiva of Ponovision, Yeshiva, already then he was very, very great. Um, and he was a Talmud of the Rosh Hashiva. And I remember him telling my father the story of how he was, he was a Talmud of the, of the Chofetz Chaim. And I remember him telling my father the story of how he was speaking to the Chofetz Chaim. If I remember correctly, they were in a train together. And he told the Chofetz Chaim about how, how much pain and suffering he has from the fact that so much of his time cannot be in learning and teaching Torah. The Ponovizhirov at that time was the member of parliament for the Jewish people in, in Lithuania. He was often asked to go on missions overseas, both for fundraising and for political reasons. And there were just many, many t times when he was not able to learn with the same kind of intensity that he could when he was sitting quietly in Ponovich. And he said to the Chofetz Chaim, I'm so jealous of you. You sit quietly and ride in. You've got nothing to do but to learn and to teach and to write morning and night. And think of the power of the mitzvot and think of the, the, the personal development as a great human being that you get through that and I've got to run around the world and do all these things and it's, uh, it's kind of not fair. I'm jealous of you. And the Chofetz Chaim did a little calculation with him and said, consider that every word of Torah learnt is um, is considered as a greater mitzvah than all the mitzvot of the Torah put together. All of the things you can do as a, as a Jew are not as great as learning and understanding one idea in Torah. And if you take the, the fact that in a minute you can read about 200 words of, of Torah, figure out what that is in an hour, what that is in a day, count up how many people are studying in Ponovish Yeshiva that, are, that you are responsible for the fact that they're studying and you have credit in every word of Torah that they're learning and figure out that while you're sitting on this train here, I'm not getting any kind of merit for learning because I'm speaking to you and I'm sitting on the train. I'm not learning anything right now. But while you and I are speaking, all your disciples are sitting in Ponovish Yeshiva and every minute they're learning Torah and all of it because of you. Can you imagine how big your reward is for doing that? Now that's fine, it's a lovely story, and I'm not sure to what extent it really satisfied the, the Ponovizhirov. If I remember correctly, it didn't satisfy him completely. And the reason for that is, is this very idea of the Taz. It's true that, I'm, that there's great reward and that all sorts of people are learning because of what the Ponovizhirov did, but that wasn't his question. What his question was, he believed that he would have become a much greater person and a much greater leader if he was able to spend all of that time learning the way the Chofetz Chaim was learning. Now, of course, it would have been a tragedy for the Jewish people because it was the saving of the, of the Ponovizhirov miraculously from the Second World War. And his coming to Israel and founding Torah in Eretz Israel and rebuilding Torah from scratch after the terrible destruction of the Holocaust, all of that was because he had been around the world fundraising 
and he had used some of those funds to buy a building in Johannesburg, South Africa, and that building paid for the foundations of the new Ponovish Yeshiva in, in, in B'nai Brak. And had he been sitting quietly in Ponovish, never going overseas to raise funds and to make contacts with people around the world, there's no way that he would have been able to re-establish Torah in the new world the way he did when he built uh, Ponovish Yeshiva and the city of B'nai Brak. So here we see once again the... Uh, the power. There are times when we have to make very difficult decisions and choices. There are times where we have to put the the bigger cause ahead of our own self-interest. But that's not only in terms of discomfort and cost. Sometimes we even have to put the bigger cause ahead of our own self-interest in terms of, of spirituality. So important it is uh, to take care of matters of the community and of those things that are truly big and truly important.